Raider Nation, these are my favorite episodes to make because we get to talk about the Denver Broncos, and I fucking hate the Denver Broncos. I hate them so much. I love the chance to talk about them because talking about football is a lot of fun. If you want to talk about football with me, after you listen to this episode, hit me up on Twitter at AngryRaider2 and let me know what you thought about what I had to say. Especially if you disagree with me, then definitely hit me up and tell me where you disagree with me because I love talking football. And it's even more fun when you talk about with football with people that disagree with you. Anyway, so this episode is a follow-up episode that I made back in March 15th where I compared the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders, how they played in 2019. And looking, looking forward to... The offseason in 2020, kind of what the the moves that I thought that they should make, uh, how I thought that the teams fared up against one another, and kind of the position that they were in in their offseason. And it was funny to kind of recap that episode. I, I felt I felt that the Raiders were the slightly better team, uh, even though technically they finished third and technically the Broncos finished second. I know, but I think that the Raiders overall were a better team. I won't get into that uh, a whole lot more. You can go back and listen to that episode. If you want to know my full thoughts on that. And then also, I thought that it was eerily similar, kind of eerie about how similar situations that the Broncos and Raiders were in. They had roughly, they had like the same record of seven and nine. They split the season series uh, with the home team winning both of the games. They had similar cap space and similar draft capital. And it was just everything was lining up so similar. Like even the last four seasons, these teams' records for the last four seasons have been almost identical to each other. I mean, the last five seasons, they've split the season series. And the last four seasons, it's always been the home team that wins. And so it's it's been really, really eerie just how similar these teams are. And so this one, this is one of the reasons why this episode is a little bit more fun. Because I'm also doing episodes like this for the Chargers and for the Chiefs. I just made one on the Chargers last week. I um, definitely recommend you go back and listen to it. And then I'll make one upcoming here about the Kansas City Chiefs. And so right now we're doing the Denver Broncos. So heading into the offseason, the Denver Broncos had a lot of draft capital and a lot of salary cap space. So let's get into some of the moves that they that they were making. Now, first they made a few trades. They traded a fourth-round draft pick for cornerback A.J. Bouye uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was definitely a... I honestly was kind of mad that the Broncos were able to get A.J. Bouye for so cheap that all they had to do was give him a fourth-round draft pick. And so it was definitely a good move by the Broncos. A.J. Bouye is going to make their secondary uh, better. And the fact that they only got him for a fourth-round draft pick is almost almost robbery. So good on John Elway for, for that one. And then also even, even more robbery, right? Even more of a robbery was when he traded for Jarrell Casey from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he got Jarrell Casey for a seventh-round draft pick, and so absolutely a steal. I mean, Jarrell Casey is a just a really great defensive tackle. I'm pretty sure he'll play the nose tackle for the Denver Broncos in the 3-4 scheme that they run. But here's the one thing that makes it a little bit weird, because let's not forget that this is a salary cap league. You and it's a hard salary cap where you cannot spend one penny over the salary cap. And so you got a finite amount of resources to build a team that consists of about 53 players. And, and so when they traded for Jarrell Casey, that was definitely 
when you look at the value of the player versus the compensation, it was definitely great value, unbelievable value. But when you look at the value of the player upgrade versus the amount of money that the girl spend, that's when this trade loses a lot of value. All right, so the Denver Broncos already had Mike Purcell, and I'm pretty sure he, Mike Purcell is still on his rookie contract, or I think he was just uh, resigned under exclusive uh, rights, uh, exclusive tender rights for agency, something like that. So, bottom line is Mike Purcell is playing for the Denver Broncos for dirt cheap. I think he's making under a million dollars. Everything. So for you know, for a football player, that is definitely dirt cheap. And for a player of Mike Purcell's caliber, he's he's been a really good player for them. Uh, he's been playing the nose tackle for them, and he's he's honestly a really he's honestly a great nose tackle. And so I find it just a little weird. Like definitely, Drill Casey is better than Mike Purcell, and definitely he makes the Broncos defensive line better. But is he $11 million better than Mike Purcell? I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, you got, you got Mike, you got um, Drill Casey for dirt cheap for just a seventh round draft pick uh, as the Tennessee Titans were trying to unload some of their cap space so that they can bring back Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry and, and all those guys. And so I don't think that this trade was quite the home run that Broncos fans think it is that definitely i mean again the the value for what you gave up to get the player is unbelievable but the value of how much you're spending on that player and how much of an improvement he is on the player that you had at that position it's it definitely brings the value down a lot still a good move still makes the team better but when again when you working with a salary cap and you have so many holes on the team i think that Money could have been spent a little bit better. But, oh well. Overall, at the end of the day, having Jarrell Casey is going to make them better. So, good on the Broncos. So, those were the two major trades that they made into uh, before free agency started. And then when free agency started, I know Broncos fans were really looking forward to a big, a big exciting free agency period for them. And it didn't quite turn out to be that way. Part of this is because the Denver Broncos were losing a lot of players and they had to spend a lot of money to replace players that they were losing or to retain players that were free agents. Uh, for instance, Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons is one of the best safeties in the league and he was a free agent. And so the Broncos knew that they were going to have to pony up a lot of money to bring him back. And instead of signing him to a long-term contract, they used a franchise tag on him. I'm not a huge fan of the franchise tag. Uh, and obviously, Justin Simmons isn't either. He definitely feels that he's being paid under his market value. And he's, I know he came out and he said that he will honor the franchise tag and that he will play for the Broncos, which is good. And he's going to ball out for the Broncos in 2020, just like he did in 2019. But he definitely is a little upset that a long-term deal was wasn't reached and that the Broncos used a franchise tag on him so I think this is the one alibi with Justin Simmons that John Elway is going to get and definitely he's going to have to uh, pony up some a some money for a big long-term contract to retain to retain him uh, they also lost a lot of guys such as Chris Harris Jr. and so that's one of the reasons why they traded for A.J. Bouye and again A.J. Bouye is 
kind of on a pretty expensive contract as well. So there's a lot of money, even though that they had a lot of free agency, or excuse me, that they had a lot of cap space. Again, they were losing Chris Harris Jr., so they had to replace him. Uh, they lost Derek Wolf, and so they had to replace him. That's part of the reason why I suspect that they traded for Jarrell Casey, uh, even though Derek Wolf was a defensive end. I don't think Jarrell Casey will play a defensive end, but I don't know. He might. He he's more of a defense of a nose tackle, but he might he might uh, slim down a little bit and go for a defensive end. I don't know. Uh, then they also lost guys like Adam Gotsis. I know Adam Gotsis wasn't this huge playmaker for for the Broncos, but he was he was a good solid player, and he was another guy that they're losing, and he was another guy that they'd have to replace. And so this is one area where the Raiders really were different from the Broncos is that the Raiders weren't going to lose a whole lot of talent. And so they didn't have to spend a lot of money to retain their talent or, um, or replace that talent. They could simply just make upgrades. And so it was really a huge advantage that the Raiders had for them heading into this off season. And so, so they, so the Broncos weren't able to have the big splashy free agency that I think a lot of Broncos fans were expecting that they would have. Maybe this next year they might because they're not going to be on the hook to lose as mu- nearly as much talent as they were last year. And I think that they have somewhere around eighty million dollars in free agency money, and they can clear up more if they need to by releasing some players that if they underperform. But again. I think it was overall it's kind of a disappointing free agency period for Broncos fans. Now that wasn't that's not to say that it wasn't good. Uh, they did bring in Graham Glasgow, the offensive guard from Detroit, and this is probably their best free agency signing. He is definitely a really good guard, and I believe the Broncos are going to use him as a center. And he's going to be he's going to be really really good for for the Broncos on that uh, offensive line on the interior of that offensive line, especially with him and Dalton Reisner as the as the left guard. You know, they got two-thirds of a really good offensive interior line, interior offensive line. And they signed Graham Glasgow, overpaid for him a little bit. I think he's, this year he's only making about $5 million a season. But the next three years, he's going to be making north of $12 million a season. I think overall his his salary, was, his contract was something around four years, $44, $45 million, something like that. So... Overpay for him a little bit, but that's what you have to do in free agency. And he is a good offensive lineman who is coming into his prime. So, uh, so yeah, you have to overspend a little bit for guys like that. So I definitely like that move. But this is this is one of those things where this is what I don't get. You had Connor McGovern, who was by in his own right an exceptional center, a very very good center, and. You let him walk, and he signed with the with the New York Jets for three years, twenty seven million, eighteen million guaranteed. And this is this is just the thing that I don't get. This is one of the perplexing things about this Denver Broncos offseason. Is I love the Graham Glasgow signing, and I cannot fat, and I cannot wrap my head around why they let Connor McGovern go. They should have kept Connor McGovern. The guy was a damn good center. And then you still bring in Graham Glasgow, and then with him and Dalton Reiser, then you have what would have been an elite interior offensive line. And let's not beat around the bush, Broncos fans. You know that your offensive line for a very long time, several years now, has been the biggest weakness 
on this team. And you had you had the opportunity to make it into a strength, especially especially with the interior. Okay. Garrett Bowles for all of his faults, he's a decent left tackle. Juwan James, when he's healthy, and I suspect in 2020 he will be healthy for most of the season, he is a good right tackle. Neither of those tackles are spectacular, but that interior offensive line of Connor McGovern, Graham Glasgow, and Dalton Reisner would have been elite. But you let Connor McGovern go. And so I looked into it. I'm like, okay, what is the reason? Why did you let Connor McGovern go? And I, honestly, I, I knew that Connor McGovern was a good player, but I didn't know everything about him. So I had to research a little bit about it. I was thinking, okay, maybe he's old. You know, maybe he is over 30 years old. And so they wanted to move on before he started to decline. But no, he's slightly younger than Graham Glasgow. Okay, uh, let's see. The One of the biggest problems with the Broncos' offensive line is that they always seem to have injuries. So maybe he's been injured a lot. Well, no. He's played in 31 of the, of the last 32 games. Okay, so he's young. He, he doesn't have injury problems. Okay, so was he looking... Was he looking to break the bank and the Broncos simply couldn't afford to bring him back? Well, no, as I already said, he he signed for a contract that's smaller than Graham Glasgow's at three years, $27 million, with only $18 million of it guaranteed. And so the Broncos could have afforded to bring him back and and uh, still would and could afford to bring him back and keep and bring in Conor McGovern. So shoot, so what the hell is it? Uh, does he commit a lot of is he is he actually a bad Center, do I, you know, am I missing something here? And then I looked into it. Well, no, he only off, uh, he only gave up one sack last season. And so he's definitely good in pass protection. And he's been really good in the run game as well. What the hell is it? Oh, it's got to be penalties. It's got to be penalties. Because the Denver Broncos offensive line notoriously cause, uh, commits a lot of penalties. Especially Garrett Bowles, who, who was flagged for 10 penalties last year. For 95 yards. Now that was only the penalties that was that were accepted, because he committed another seven penalties, seven holding penalties to be exact, that were all declined. So that guy's committing a whole bunch of penalties. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they don't want to have two offensive linemen who are committing a lot of penalties. No. No, Connor McGovern didn't commit a single penalty last year. So Broncos fans, seriously, hit me up uh, on Twitter at AngryRaider2. Tell me, tell me what I'm missing. Tell me what I'm overlooking here. Because the way I see it, Connor McGovern is a good center who would have made your, off the, your interior off of the line elite with the additions of Graham Glasgow and Dalton Reisner. He wasn't breaking the bank. He's healthy. He's young. He's a good center. What am I missing? Why do they, why do they let him go? Please let me know because if they kept him, then th- it makes everything about this offseason make a hell of a lot more sense. So anyway, so moving on now. Um, moving on, the they also brought in a tight end from Pittsburgh. I can't remember his name. It it was it's kind of a weird name. It was like a pen, uh, Peterman, something like that. I don't know. They brought in a, a tight end from Pittsburgh who obviously is only going to be in there for special teams and for depth because Noah Fant is going to be a really good tight end for the Broncos heading into the future. Uh, he was, Noah Fant was a little inconsistent this year, but... He definitely showed flashes, and uh, a lot of times rookie tight ends have a tough time their first year in the league anyway. I think next year, kind of the floor I see for Noah Fan is 850 yards, and I could easily see him getting over 1,000 yards next season. Uh, so 
So this uh, tight end that they brought in from the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's he's going to be kind of more of a blocking tight end or depth special teams type type guy. Uh, especially with some of the draft picks that the Broncos made as well, which I'll get into later. And the other big free agency move that they made is they signed Melvin Gordon. <laughs> now this one, ah, oh, damn, Broncos fans. Again, this is one that I just cannot wrap my head around. I know Melvin Gordon can be a good player. I know he can be. But the problem is, is that just as easily as he can be a good player, he can be a lousy player. This guy is so inconsistent. He is probably the most overrated running back in the NFL. And I'm not saying that as a hyperbole or to make a point. He legitimately probably is. The guy has played in the NFL for five seasons. He has had one, exactly one season where he where he really played well, where he, I think he averaged like 5.2 yards per carry that season. It was the 2018 season. Oddly enough, it was a contract year. Not saying he balled out just to get a big contract, but the anecdotal evidence, even though it is just anecdotal, it suggests that maybe that's the only reason he balled out. And then he held out in 2019 for 10 games, and the Chargers were just like, yeah, okay, go ahead. We got Austin Eckler. We don't need you. We'll be just fine. And then even after he came back, he had a few good moments, a few... He had uh, one good game. No, no, he had a couple of good games and a few good moments, but I think the Chargers went like one in five with him. And so it's not like he came in and saved the Chargers season or anything like that. And the other four seasons, he's averaged less than four yards per carry in every single one of those seasons. Now, I know he's good at receiving as well, and I know he... He's a good weapon inside the red zone as he's scored a lot of touchdowns. Uh, but honestly, you you don't just want a running back when you're in the when you're in the red zone. You want part of the reason you want your running back is to get to the red zone, which Melvin Ingram just clearly doesn't help them do very well. I mean, again, only one season did he average more than four yards per carry. All right, and so for the other seasons, he averaged something you know, like 3.7, 3.8, 3.9 yards per carry. And I'm sorry, there there is a huge difference between those between those things. One is is a backup level quarterback, or excuse me, running back, and the other is a is a starting level uh, running back. And so the Los Angeles Chargers knew exactly what they had in Melvin Ingram. They spent a first round draft pick on him, and then after all of a sudden done, we're just like, no, we don't want to bring him back. Uh, we know he's in, we know he's inconsistent. We know that uh, for some games he's absolutely great, and in other games he disappears. And more often than not, he's mediocre than great. So, so yeah, they even told the uh, told Melvin Gordon and his agent while he was holding out, like, yeah, you guys are free to go and and uh, explore trade options. See if you can't get us a good trade deal. And no one came knocking with any trade deal that was anywhere anywhere good. Because NFL executives know that Melvin Gordon is an overrated running back. Certainly a decent running back, but not one that you want to use a first-round draft pick. And certainly not one that you want to sign for two years at $16 million or $13 million of it guaranteed. Oh, Broncos fans, this is one of those things where I just don't get it. I know that he's, he's like a borderline good running back, but uh, you also... You have a better running back in Phil Lindsay. Phil Lindsay is a better running back than Melvin Gordon, in my opinion. 
And I know they're both kind of that fringe, you know, really, really good running backs. But I don't know. I, again, I think that there is just better use use for that money that could have gone to to things like your offensive line um, or to your to your wide receiver core and things like that. But no, use it on Melvin Gordon. I don't. I think Melvin Gordon. I think he'll have a few really good games for the Broncos. But I think mostly he's going to underwhelm, and Broncos are going to be on the hook for him for two years because even next year he's guaranteed he has a nine million dollar cap hit, and six and a half of that is guaranteed. So they'd only save like two and a half million dollars if they cut him, which I don't think they're going to do. So, so again, um, I didn't like I didn't like that move either. Uh, but now let's go on to the Denver Broncos draft. And this is where the Broncos actually really shined. Um, every like every draft nick out there is saying that the Denver Broncos had an amazing draft. Everyone's saying that they had A's and, um, and that they had arguably the best draft in the NFL. I don't know about the best draft in the NFL, but certainly they had a very good one. Uh, so the fir- in the, with the first pick, their 15th uh, pick in the first round, they got Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, the way that the draft board worked out, Jerry Judy fell to them, and he snatched them up. And this is this is really good. This is an excellent draft pick for the Broncos. Uh, Jerry Judy is actually the draft pick that I wanted the the Raiders to get. I made a episode uh, previewing the Raiders just right before the draft, kind of who I was hoping that they'd get. And I said that Jerry Judy reminded me a lot of Tim Brown, uh, a little bit slower than Tim Brown, but still plenty of speed, a very fluid athlete who can cr- create a lot of separation and runs uh, routes very, very well and has very good hands. And there's really not, there really isn't a weakness in his game at all, but there isn't really, well, I say he's not really elite at anything, but he'll be a very good wide receiver just because he's good at everything. Um, and he was the guy that I originally wanted them to get. But in that episode, I did say that I could be talked into getting Henry Ruggs III. And Henry Ruggs III, he's not as polished of a route runner as Jerry Judy is, but he does have elite speed. He is a good route runner for, for, all, of his thoughts, for all of his faults. He's just not as good as Jerry Judy is at that. He does actually slightly have better hands than uh, Jerry Judy. And also... Uh, Henry Ruggs, he's he's that guy's just a he's just a damn playmaker. He's guy had 96, 90, something like 96, 98 receptions, something like that. Twenty four of them were touchdowns. So literally, for every four receptions he had, he had a touchdown. That is some unbelievable uh, playmaking ability. So I'm definitely not upset that the Raiders passed on Jerry Judy and and picked Henry Ruggs. So and it worked out very well for for the Denver Broncos to be able to get him. And then in their second round pick, they doubled down on wide receiver, uh, pick 46, and they got KJ Handler. And this guy has Henry Ruggs type speed. Uh, he was the wide receiver out of Penn State. And I love it. John Elway was talking about how there was one of the games, I can't remember who it was against, but um, KJ Handler was either returning a punt or a kickoff, and he returned it for a touchdown. And there's a point where I think it was from the from the 30 his own 30 to the opponent's 30, so 40 yards. And John Elway told his executives that they wanted to time him as he went from the 30 to the 30. Now, remember, this is not a straight 40-yard dash because he was already mid-stride, so he didn't have to start 
and you know lose time there. But he ran that 40 yards with the ball with with pads on in 3.9 seconds. The guy is insanely fast. So very good uh, on the on the Broncos part and getting a very fast wide receiver that way. Uh, he's not a polished receiver, uh, but he is ready to. He is ready to play week one, and he will make plays, certainly, for the Broncos in 2020. Uh, so definitely a good move there. Then the Broncos had three picks in the third round, just like the Raiders did. They had picks 77, 83, and 95. With pick 77, they got a cornerback out of Iowa, uh, Michael Ojemudia. I might be pronouncing that wrong. I apologize. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him, but the little bit of research that I did about him he certainly checks all the boxes that you're looking for in a cornerback, and he was definitely great value um, in the with pick eighty with pick seventy seven. He's got the length, he's got the he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, and he's got the hip uh, fluidity and everything like that. So I think overall he'll be a really good cornerback for the Denver Broncos, especially considering that he's not going to have to start right away with a major role. And when he when he does play, he's going to have a lot of help around him. He's going to have Kareem Jackson and just and Justin Simmons kind of uh, back there helping him out. He's going to have a really good pass rush with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, and now even Jarrell Casey coming up the middle. And so he's going to any mistakes that uh, he would make because rookie cornerbacks always make a lot of mistakes, especially the day two cornerbacks. In their rookie year, they always, there's always a few bumps along the road. Those bumps will be minimalized, and he'll be a very effective, uh, a very effective cornerback for the Broncos, because the Broncos are so stacked on defense. So he's going to be really good for them. And then with pick 83, they got Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from uh, LSU. And I mean, while this wasn't a bad pick. If he is supposed to be the right guard in place, you know, to fill in for Connor McGovern to fill his hole, this is where your weakness is going to be, Broncos fans. And he will be the weak link in this offensive line. And every team in the AFC West has the personnel to exploit it. Okay. The Chiefs have Chris Jones, the Chargers have Linval Joseph, and the Raiders have. Maurice Hurst and Malik Collins. I know as I'm saying those names, some of you are just kind of going, oh, pff, Mo Hurst and Malik Collins, they're nothing. Well, just wait, okay? Because when you actually dive into what Maurice Hurst was able to do with how many snaps he played, he was a very effective pass rusher from the interior, and he's going to get more snaps here in 2020, and he's going to give Lloyd Cushenberry all the more than he can handle and when you're and when you're throwing in Malik Collins there as well Lloyd Cushenberry is going to have a hard time there on the interior of that offensive line so again should have kept Connor McGovern but oh well that ship sailed uh, Lloyd Cushenberry eventually will turn into um, a pretty good offensive lineman there but again there'll be a few bumps and bruises along the way and it's not going to be pretty there for for a little bit so then after that, with pick 95, they got McTelvin uh, Agum, the defensive lineman out of Arkansas. It seems like the Broncos have a lot of defensive linemen, especially for being a 3-4 defense. Uh, you know, because off the top of my head, they got um, Agum, they got Purcell, they got Casey, they got, oh, what's the name, Shelby Harris, and I, I know I'm missing a few here. 
And so it seems that they have a lot of defensive linemen that this certainly wasn't something out of uh, – that this wasn't really a huge need for the Broncos. But, hey, if nothing else, he's going to be able to provide – Good depth for the Broncos in case uh, somebody gets injured. He'll be able to come in. Oh, Draymond Jones. Oh, that's who it was, Draymond Jones. Aha, I remembered him. Yeah, so I think, I mean, you throw in Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris, and Drill Casey, and Mike Purcell, and a few other guys that the Broncos have. And I think they already have a very good defensive line rotation, so I don't think they needed to expand on that. But, I mean, what the hell, they did, so... Um, and again, he'll just pretty much be out of depth and injury security, which is always, which is always good. It's one of the biggest reasons why the Raiders faltered last year is because they didn't have very good depth, which luckily is happy to report that the Raiders primary really fixed this year. The Raiders have a lot more depth this season. It's going to be awesome. All right. And then, so that rounds up the third round pick. And then the rest of the picks were day three picks. Honestly, guys, I don't know the Denver Broncos well enough to go and dive into their day three picks and go and talk about how good I think these guys are going to be. Um, I like Albert um, Oka. What I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name. It's Albert Oka because his last name starts with OK. He's a tight, tight end out of Missouri. Apparently he ran a 4.49 at the combine and he was um, Drew Locke's favorite target while they played together at Mizzou. So he's already got a report uh, rapport there with Drew Locke. And so, with him and Noah Fant, I think they're going to be a very good tight end duo. Uh, but I don't know a whole lot about him outside of that. That's why I thought that that tight end that they got from Pittsburgh was kind of more of a um, more of a depth more of a depth uh, signing. So, and then they also got uh, out of Wake Forest the linebacker Justin Justin Schnod in the fifth pick, or excuse me, in the fifth round. Sixth round they got uh, Natani Moody, the offensive lineman from Fresno State, and the seventh round pick they got Tyree Cleveland, the wide receiver out of Florida. I don't know if these guys are going to be good. You don't know if they're going to be good. Sure, they 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 flash a little bit here and there, but they fell to the third to day three in the draft for a reason. Whether it's injury concerns whether it is athleticism concerns or what have you, there's some kind of red flag there, which is why they all fell to the third round or, uh, excuse me, third day of of drafting. Are they going to be good? I don't know. So I'm not going to try and tell you any, um, any otherwise. So with all that, I think that definitely the Broncos had a, a very good offseason and free agency with the trades that they made and with the signings that they made. Again, it could have been better had they kept Connor McGovern and had they kept Chris Harris Jr. Um, I mean, damn, had they kept Chris Harris Jr., he is an excellent nickel cornerback. And I don't know who the nickel cornerback is going to be just yet for the uh, for the Broncos, but I do know that if it was Chris Harris Jr., that this would be an elite secondary. As it is, it's a very good secondary with A.J. Bouye, Kareem Jackson, um, and then also Bryce Callahan as the other cornerback, and Justin Simmons. So definitely a very good secondary. But they let Chris Harris Jr. walk. Uh, I know he was asking for a lot of money, but, I mean, damn, I mean, you didn't have to bring in Jarrell Casey. You keep Chris Harris Jr., uh, you keep Connor McGovern. You don't trade for Jarrell Casey. And I think your defense is better than uh, with Chris Harris Jr. than it would be with Jarrell Casey. 
I know this is this is the thing where you got to manage your your resources a whole lot better. I know Chris Harris Jr. is on the decline. A lot of that is because he had to play out of position last year on the outside. He wasn't able to play as a nickel cornerback because after Bryce Callahan went down with a foot injury. So Vic Fangio had to use him on the outside, and that's actually one of the biggest reasons why um, why Chris Harris Jr. actually signed with the Chargers and instead of the Raiders or some other teams that were looking to get him because they those teams wanted to play him on the outside, whereas the Chargers said, no, we'll play at nickel cornerback, where he excels and where he will still be a very, very good cornerback for, for the Chargers. So it's losses like Connor McGovern and Chris Harris Jr. and... Derek Wolf, where I say, where I just think those are going to be very big losses. Those were very good players for the for the Broncos, and it's going to be. And I don't think that they didn't did a great job in fixing them. And there's still holes on the offensive line. So overall, it wasn't it wasn't a bad off season. It was definitely a very good off season. But then also, I don't know if this is a mistake. But it's definitely going to be hard for the Broncos in 2020. And that was that they fired their offensive coordinator and got, um, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer, the old head coach for the uh, for the New York Giants. And so Pat Shermer is the new offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos. Now, later, I'm going to make another episode uh, breaking down Drew Locke. Now, I know Broncos fans are very excited about Drew Locke. They see, they see him as the savior of the Broncos. He's going to lead them back to the promised land. The next great quarterback for the Broncos. Um, and yada, yada, yada. To which I simply reply, well, is Drew Locke really a great QB? Or is he a great QB like Joe Flacco is? Like Casey Keenum was supposed to be? Like Chad Kelly was supposed to be? Like Tre- Trevor Simeon was supposed to be? Or Paxton Lynch was supposed to be? Or Brock Oz? You, you get the point. All right. I've argued with a lot of Broncos fans about their quarterbacks. And I mean, seriously, no joke. Like last year, before the 2019 season started, they were telling me that Joe Flacco was awesome because he was the Super Bowl MVP back in 2012, and he had a great run, a great playoff run in 2012 to help the the Ravens. I mean, I'm I'm sitting there arguing with the guy. I don't know why. Like, okay, that was seven years ago. A lot has changed since then. He's not the same quarterback since then, and sure enough, he wasn't. Um, And then somebody else, another Broncos fan. This is why I love talking with Broncos fans. It's because they're biased. And they're so biased that it makes them say really stupid things. He was seriously arguing with me that Casey Keenum was a top five quarterback. Oh, I mean, how did that one work out for you there? Oh, man, how did you let a top five quarterback go get out of your grasp, guys? Gosh. So, again, is Drew Locke going to be a great quarterback for the Denver Broncos. I know Broncos fans think so, but again, Broncos fans thought Paxton Lynch was going to be. So, you know. Um, and But I do th- I do think Drew Locke is going to be a franchise quarterback. But they're not doing him any favors by firing his last offensive coordinator and bringing in a new one. Because now he has to learn a new system, which I'm sure he will do, but then he also has to get his offensive line in with that new system. And everybody else, um, his offensive line and his running backs and his, and excuse me, and uh, his wide receivers. Okay, for Cortland Sutton, 
This is going to be what Cortland Sun's third offensive coordinator. So his third system that he's going to have to learn for Garrett Bowles. This is what his third or fourth offensive coordinator. So again, it's just, you know, another system that he has to learn for Phil Lindsay. It's what his third offensive coordinator. So yeah, he's having to learn a whole new system. So especially this season, where the offseason is going to be condensed because of COVID-19. And so teams and coaches are not going to have the same experience to teach their uh, teach the, the system to the players. It's going to have a bigger impact this year than it would any other year. And so that's one of the reasons why I think that, the, that Drew Locke is not going to be as great as Bronco fans are expecting him to be this year. I do think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. I do think he's a very good quarterback now. He is the third best quarterback in the AFC West. Don't get it wrong, Broncos fans. Derek Carr is the second best quarterback in the AFC West. I know the, and it's not close, okay? It's not close. He's much better than Drew Locke, and he's nowhere near Patrick Mahomes, let's be honest. But, I mean, this is one of the things where the Raiders really separated themselves from the Broncos. Not only do I think that the Raiders had a slightly better offseason than the Broncos with their free agency as they signed guys like Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Prince of Mukamara, who's going to be shutting down wide receivers alongside with Trayvon Mullen. And then also they brought in guys like Jeff Heath and Corey Littleton to really shore up that defense. And then uh, also Carl Nassib and Malik Collins on the defensive line to bring more natural pressure that the Raiders will be able to to bring down on a bad Broncos off the line. Then on top of that, they brought in Brian Edwards uh, Jr. and Henry Ruggs III and Damon Arnett. The Raiders had a really good, really good draft. I'm sure you guys will tell me about how, how you felt that Jerry Judy was better than Henry Ruggs, and we'll talk about that uh, all you want. And how the Raiders reached for Damon Arnett. I'm telling you, the Raiders did not reach for Damon Arnett. You're pointing to his 40-yard time. I can see you pointing to his 40-yard time already. That was 4, 5, 6 at the Combine. Well, you can go out and you can find the... I told this to Chargers fans as well. You can go out and you can find the video in slow motion that shows that the clock started early on Damon Arnett. And he, whether it's because like he moved his hand after he got set or like a dreadlock fell and set the laser off, something like that. But basically, he lost 0.14 of a second in that 40-yard time. And so now everybody loses a little bit of time in the 40-yard dash time, but 0.14 is quite a bit more than everybody what everybody else loses. So, so he definitely ran faster than a four-five-six. Is what I'm getting at. Um, he is one of the fastest athletes that the that Ohio State had, and. The Raiders timed him at around 4-4-3, and some other teams timed him around the same, um, with kind of the same re- similar results, around a 4-4-4-5, and definitely not a 4-5-6. Not a, uh, so, yeah, he was a 4-4, like a 4-4-4, 4-4-5. That's what other teams, that's what the Raiders and the other teams had him at. So, he definitely wasn't a reach. He's... He's going to be given a little bit of time to learn behind Prince Mukamara, who's going to be awesome for us. I was really excited that the Raiders signed him. And then he's going to be able to come on and be a really, really good cornerback for us. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, so overall, I think that the Raiders had a slightly better offseason and they have more continuity than the Broncos have. They're bringing back the same head coach, the same offensive coordinator, the same defensive coordinator, and most of the same starters. And so all, 
a lot of the problems that they had this season was because there's so many new players. Okay, yeah, Josh Jake on offense, especially you had Trent Brown, Richie Incognito. Um, then you had Josh Jacobs and Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. Um, and did I already say Hunter Renfro? Anyway, you, you get the point. There's a lot of guys who are learning a brand new system. Now they know the system. And now they're going to go into the offseason, learn the system even better. And those miscues are going to, a lot of those miscues that held them back in 2019 are going to be fixed because of that continuity. And the Broncos are going to suffer because they are bringing a new system with a condensed offseason schedule. So it's, uh, so definitely I think that the Raiders are going to, I think the Raiders were the better team in 2019. I think they're going to continue to be the better team in 2020. So as of now, I, even though I think the Raiders are the better team, uh, the Raiders play each other. The Raiders and Broncos play each other in Week 10. That'll be November 15th. Then again in Week 17, that'll be uh, January 3rd in, in Denver. So I think for the fifth year in a row, both teams win the home game and they'll split the series, even though the Raiders are the better team. I reserve the right to change Week 17 based on how the season ends up. So if the season comes down to like, the Raiders or the Broncos have to win the game for whatever uh, playoff positioning or what. Uh, then, then you know, if the Raiders are playing for like a better playoff position, which I think the Raiders will go to the playoffs, then I think they'll definitely beat the Broncos in Week 17. Um, if the Raiders can't really fix, can't really change their playoff status in Week 17, I think that they'll probably rest their starters. But definitely Week 10 in Las Vegas, the Raiders are going to beat the Broncos. So that'll be a fun game to watch, especially for me. So again, Broncos fans, I'm sure you disagree with a lot of what I had to say. So be sure and let me know on Twitter at AngryRader2 where you think I was wrong, and we'll talk a little bit about football. Until then, guys, hey, you, hey, stay safe out there. Don't catch any of the, of the fucking plague as it's going around. And hey, once a Raider, always a Raider. Take care.